Beautiful. Okay. Um, these are some thoughts uh, I've been thinking about that were centered around, first of all, it was centered around um, consecration, the issue of consecration. And then uh, today and over the past couple of days, the issue of sacredness, the sacredness. Um, I had a, an appointment with my doctor uh, today, and he was talking about the sacredness of the body. Uh, it, spoke, it spoke volumes to me. I know that that's true, but sometimes you can hear God inside of those comments, or you can hear God inside of something um, that's the same. Now, how am I applying consecration, and how am I applying sacredness? Uh, because just because something is is announced or it is labeled or it is designated for a consecration or sacredness does not mean the thing that happened inside of it is sacred. Um, Jesus came in Matthew 21 and he cleansed the temple because there was something going on inside of the temple. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer, sacred. You have made it a den of thieves, profane. So um, when I think about that and I think about my life, I, I zoom all of this back to my life personally. Now, you know, we, we do have to be careful, I feel, that we don't get religious about things and we don't get sanctimonious that um, just because we are highly spiritual, does not mean that we are aloof and disconnected and unapproachable. Um, because I've had people tell me uh, that you can't talk to the man of God because uh, he's still under the anointing. Now, I don't know what that means. But anyway, um, you know, people can really take that um, in, a, in a very negative way and, and in the wrong way, erroneous. But I'm, what, what has been striking my heart has been the issue of sacredness, my body, my, my space, the space inside of me being sacred or dedicated to the purpose, to the, to the service, to the pleasure, to the desire of the King, of the Lord. And, um, I want to catch the gravity of that. I feel the gravity of it. But then I also know just because we get information to do something doesn't mean that we do it. Just because we are encouraged to do things. we do. It's all through scripture about how God uh, reached out to his people and they still went into idolatry. And you wonder, man, where's the disconnect? Where's the disconnect? Because if you ask these people, if they love the Lord, they say that they would. And then God's response to that is that these people say uh, they worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So out of all the people in the world that I can fool or deceive, and I don't want to, but I don't want to deceive myself. 
the Bible talks about self-deception as well. And so this issue of being sacred, consecrated, devoted to the Lord, and what does that mean? How does it express itself in everyday life, in my family, with my wife, how I engage people, going into the store, driving in traffic, all of these things. How can I ensure that the space inside of me is dedicated more than just being announced or having it described as a dedicated, consecrated space, but that it actually is because God recognizes it as a dedicated, consecrated space. Now, sometimes we can be deluded um, by you know these these confessions right and 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 though no, no, I believe in confession, I believe in you know certain things, I believe in prayer too. I believe that we should uh pray about things that we uh can't change or should not change, and I believe that we also need to change things that we need not pray about, and so to be able to know the difference between those two. How do I take action? How do we take action? How can we articulate this to the body of Christ to where it is a um, it sparks a desire that you're not preaching to people about being consecrated. You're not peace, preaching to people about a fasted life, but they can actually see one inside of us and from that have a desire like this. They're provoked to love and good work. They are, they're provoked. Uh, they see it and they want to emulate it because they see Christ. And that's the part that they want to emulate. And so um, part of what this, this discussion, this conversation came about is how this issue of Christianity is so heavily populated. Everybody is a Christian. Um, everybody is a believer. And there's different versions of the believer and different versions of Christianity. And all of them don't lead through the portal of discipleship. They're, you know, they have names and they do good in church. And they could do good in the performance of the church on Sunday uh, as as uh, is expressed. And it's almost like Hollywood, like lights, camera, action. And once the action is declared, they go into an expression of something that does not come, that does not come from the heart. Now, I'm not being a critic. I'm simply analyzing how can we produce, how can we inspire others to want to to see Christ and 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 to pursue him through our lives. The Bible declares we are living letters read of all men. What are they reading? What are they seeing? And after reading us, after seeing us, how are they left? Are they left with a, a skewed view of Christ? Or are they left with uh, zeal? To want to be like him? Are they inspired to ask questions? 
um, Brendan and I were talking about the other day about, um, I, I think it may, may have been this morning or maybe last night about the issue of becoming an attractive Christ in the earth, that that people look upon us and uh, just like there are people who look at people who are who are rich and just from the outside, people want to be like that. How can I, they want to interview them. How can I be successful like you? How can I make a lot of money like you? You know, uh, they see what it looks like from the outside and they want to emulate. Now, many times those those kind of uh, demonstrations or that kind of life, um, a person driving down the street in a fancy car or dressed in nice clothes or, or, or going into an office building, uh, a, 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 uh, an executive, those kind of things, from the, the untrained eye, doesn't see that there's process and sacrifice and, and and all of those things that are involved because if those things are told in the forefront, generally people get turned off and they don't want that. They want the results, but not the process. And Jesus makes it very clear to us. If any man comes after me, now this is his program. This is it men's program or anything that he's any man comes after me he's personalizing he says now the way that happens is you have to deny yourself you have to take up your cross and then then follow me so we got three things denying ourselves for discipleship taking up our cross for discipleship and following after him so it is that type of model the model of christ that we uh, we're talking about ascribing to. Um, so so these are things that that I'm I'm considering turning around in my head. I would like to have some discussion uh, centered around this. Is it possible really to live a consecrated life that is um, that is that is truly truly lived out in this earth where our mind remain pure and purged and cleansed. I know that, you know, we, we are in this earthly tent, in this earthly uh, body. Paul calls it, calls it tabernacle, I think, in the, in, the, in the old King James. But we know that we will have these stresses and temptations and just all of these things that we are working on our salvation. It is a process. So I want to also in the mix because when we start seeing consecration, we start seeing sacredness, um, we, we, we cannot omit the fact that we have a treasure, but it is in an earthen vessel. It's in an earthen vessel. So how do we express this, in, this, uh, this, uh, this humanity and then expressing the treasure that is inside of, uh, of this this marred vessel, and it still be pure. That the words that we speak are still spirit and life, as Jesus said. That the words we receive are spirit and a life. So these are some of the things that I, I I'd like to have discussions around, and I would like to uh, have prayer uh, after after we have uh, exhausted the discussion for today. So I'm just uh, I'm open to to hearing to uh, talking about these things. Some more because to me this isn't uh, 
um, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is how the gospel should have been introduced to us. Maybe it was introduced to us, but this way. But I just feel like there's a very user friendly kind of relationship out there, and that uh, there are people who will come to you, uh, for example, and and um, you may have gone through processes and still are going through processes, great strain and 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 uh, and all of these kind of things in your life, and they they simplify like you know they they figure that they could copy some words that someone else is saying or take a cliche and they feel like they're on the same level as someone who has denied themselves, picked up the cross and followed uh, after the Lord. So um, I, I know that there's a difference. I believe in there being a difference, but I want to really hash this out about, you know, being this treasure inside the earthen vessel, right? That the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. Uh, and at the same time, really having an awareness of a sacredness in myself that follows a discipline uh, that uh, people I know that are consecrated to the Lord live with a harness. It's a harness. Paul said this, and there's no calling for this in Scripture. There's no, there's no calling for this. There's no um, title for this. There's no ministry function for this. Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Christ. What did this man see? What did he see that gave him zeal to become a voluntary prisoner, to incarcerate himself? These are, these are topics that people don't like to really talk about. You know, um, I used to be of the, of the thinking back in my world faith days that uh, you can confess your way out of trouble. You can confess your way out of a harm, accidents. You can confess your way out of uh, losing loved ones and things and people that are close to you. But this is not true. Uh, these things have the, just the inverse has been expressed in my own life. So how do we have a sober balance view on the issue of consecration and sacredness, that I'm a sacred man, I'm a consecrated man. So there are things that should not flow through me. There's a manner of conduct and a manner of discipline. And it may not be the same for everyone, but you carry uh, a thorn in your flesh. You, you carry some sense that you are no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. And while you have the license to do certain things, and you're an adult enough to do certain things, there is a harness that you live by that liberates you. It, it doesn't constrict you. It liberates you. You are liberated inside. It doesn't feel like a yoke, even though the Lord invites us to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Um, there's a, I don't know, there's an internal law that says others may, but I cannot. Others may, but I cannot. So, Let's have some discussion around that. Uh, anyone, if anybody who wants to start, but these are some of the, my musings and thoughts uh, around that. Yes, Kevin, this is um, um, a very powerful spanner to throw into 
um, our world to one pullback from say being on a on a high speed flow to slowing down to begin to ask yourself certain questions about the issue of being sacred, being consecrated, sold out, um, cut out completely, devoted to. And when those things happen, what are the processes involved? Um, where do we identify uh, the flames of God at work? That is speaking to the reality of, in our world of God bringing us through a process of consecrating us or in one stage having arrived at the place where we have been consecrated and sanctified to him, being sacred. I believe is both um, a process, all happening at the same time, a process, and at the same time, um, an experience you live in. So you could be in a process of being consecrated while at some level, um, you would have achieved consecratedness unto the Lord. First of all, we know that having been born again, the Bible says that our righteousness is of him. And that level of cleansing and sacredness, we being sanctified and cut out and totally sold out to him, is another level of consecratedness. And in our daily work, in our months and years of uh, existence, we come through various experiences that um, continues to make us more available to him and continue to allow him to work through us by removing every barrier and limitation within us that prevents him from uh, working through us. The joy of it, uh, as you were talking, I began to have that uh, reflection that it's, it's a joy for the Father himself to consecrate us. He delights in sanctifying us. For example, um, two scriptures or so, or even three, okay, something. Something's pop up in mind, even three. One, it says in the book of Malachi chapter three, that him, God, it says, who can abide on the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he's like a land wrestle, and he's like a purifier of silver. He will sit and purify the sons of Levi. I'm just paraphrasing. And it says that so that their offerings will be acceptable to him as in the former times. And when you look into that, you clearly see um this God who takes delight and interest in having his servants sanctified. Secondly, to just back up that, we saw um, the high priest Joshua, who has never existed in the natural, but 
this is a figurative image, uh, 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 an expression, a figurative expression of a spiritual reality and a process that must take place in the servant of the Lord. It says the high priest Joshua, according to Zechariah 3, was before God and Satan was opposing him. And God, God himself, God himself, whether, whether that this high priest Joshua knew that um, his, he was wearing filthy garments or not, um, his priestly garment was not complete or not, um, I've never seen that clearly in that passage. But God himself, or a voice cried out that, take off that filthy garment from him. Take off that filthy garment from him. And the high priest Joshua is standing before the Lord. And the point is, we, we are servants of God. And I'm using the word servant generally as to every believer. We as servants of God should constantly just position ourselves before the Lord. Because he has that delight and joy to accept us unto himself. Because our righteousness is not of us. If it was the Old Testament model, we know what happens. That we lose our lives. And we can joyfully say that in the New Testament we have received mercy. And when we go before him, we lose that capacity that um, um, infuses us and empowers us to continue to walk in filthy government. We lose our life. We lose our life in that extent to now receive grace and strength to live for him. So God said, take off the filthy garment from him. And uh, that began a process. Now, uh, something about uh, all of this. Then let me jump into the third thing before I come to what I want to say. Uh, there's a third passage in the book of Exodus chapter 19. God is about to come down on Mount Sinai. We're seeing a picture of the church. That is the old church, the old, old past church. When compared in Hebrews chapter 12, he says that um, you have not come to you have not come to that church that is like Sinai, where even when a man touches will be thrust through or die, even when an animal does. The animal will be killed. But he said, you have come to Mount Zion. So in that Old Testament model, we see a foreshadowing of the true church uh, that must come into expression. Over there, they didn't have the mercies. People died. But on this mountain, we have God who is approachable, regardless of where we stand, because he takes the delight in removing our filthy garments and, and uh, fixing us up so that our offering will be acceptable unto him. Now, in Exodus, God said to Moses, said, go and tell the children of Israel, let them, let them consecrate themselves today and tomorrow. Let them consecrate themselves today and tomorrow. It, it, God speaks and gives the instruction and releases power into the hands of those who are invited to come close. And it says, let them take some level of responsibility in looking at themselves to consecrate themselves so that they can draw near, so that they can enter into an experience. 
that I find very interesting. As God himself is interested in cleansing us, he wants us to take some level of responsibility. He says, let them cleanse themselves today and tomorrow. For on the third day, he was going to appear. He was going to appear. Now, with these three um, scenarios, we see that consecratedness um, is not just an outer thing, but something that is wrought by God, number one, and number two, something that must be ingrained, enshrined in our thoughts. It must infiltrate our thinking and, and permeate everything we do. So the priest Joshua didn't have a turban on his head. Um, the turban, as we all know, had an aspect of it that um, had um, an insignia that is written on it, holiness unto the Lord, which was put around the forehead and around the head of the priest, which clearly um, speaks to the reality that consecratedness, being sanctified unto God, must burn in through our flesh, into our thinking processes. It must, it must be invoked from within. It must bleed into the thing that controls and influences action, our thoughts. So that was very, very key. There was a turban that had on the forehead or the forefront of it, holiness unto the Lord, sanctified unto the Lord consecrated unto the Lord. Then lastly, in my comment, I'll say, the Father, in his joy to bring us to a place of usefulness and being sanctified to him and dedicated to him, separated to him, uh, will bring us through processes, experiences, uh, journeys of life that um, ordinarily, sometimes we would wonder what is happening to you, to me. Why am I in this space? Why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? But in all of that, uh, months and days and years of walk with God begins to count from the ups and downs and, and all of that. So uh, those are some of the thoughts that been in my mind as you... Uh, you share the things that you share. And then from that experience, people begin to see us and wonder what kind of man we are. Um, why do we talk the way we talk? Why do we respond or react the way we react? Why do we just forgive? Why don't we hold certain grudges when men can ordinary? Why don't we curse? Why don't we curse like every other or, or, person is because of the experiences we've been through and what the father has wrought in us thank you very much thank you mark um very very great things i you know i noticed uh i was listening to that malachi reference uh the scripture talks about he will sit he will sit um he will sit as a refiner which means that he takes his time in processing us <laughs> he's not standing, he's not in a hurry, you know, uh, to the extent he finds what he's looking for in us is to the extent he is finished. 
you know, but he he's very patient about the processes. He's very patient about that. And so he's not rushing it, even though he's eager to see it in us. Um, yeah, he sticks. He's very patient in the process of uh, of refinement. So I really appreciated that. Really appreciated that a lot. Um, and then, sorry, then sorry, sorry to cut you. Um, you just touched on something I recollected. Um, <laughs> I recollected uh, something. So let me just chip it in, and then, and then back off and be quiet. Um, I was reading a piece of article which I collected some time back, some years back. I've been trying to relocate to locate that piece of article. If I had found it, I would have just shared it on the chat with everybody. And um, this piece of article speaks of three women who had attended a prayer meeting. And um, one of them asked a question about Malachi 3. And that passage that talks about he will sit as the purifier of silver and a landless soap. In those days, um, you know how they wash. They did not just go and wash in, in, the, in the river. They locate a stone, a rock, and having having loaded their clothes with having made a cloth wet and loaded with 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 soap, they go and crush the clothes to to a stone. So the roll, so almost like washing is not like uh, rubbing the the two hands together and pulling the clothes and washing, but they crush, they roll the clothes, they crush it in getting the dirt and all of that out. And the, the the piece of article talked about that, but the the one that impacted me most was that he would sit as a purifier of silver. So he said the old man at the prayer meeting said, um, "If the Bible says he will sit as a purifier of silver, this is what it means. It meant that him God, him God, was going to behave like the." The goldsmith, and here is it. So the goldsmith, in order to see, yes, to 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 make it short, concise, in order to see that the gold or the silver is purified, when he would have put it in the fire, it would have been red hot, in order to ensure that it attained purification and all of the debt is gone he must arrive at a point where this bar of gold can begin to reflect his own image. When he lifts this bar of gold after the process and looks at it, the gold should be like a mirror reflecting his, his image. And so when the Bible talks about him being a purifier of silver, I believe that is one of the things happening to us until he can see himself an imprint, a reflection of himself, a look alike, then he can say, oh, Mark is now ready for the market to be taken and exported, to be sold. This gold has been through fire. So in many respects, we are like gold in the making. And as we continue to stand in our individual processes, it begins to encourage another who would have tried hundred times and failed, but having seen you tried thousand times and continue to stand in faith and believe in God. 
And uh, I thank God for his grace on us and bringing us through. Thank you. So that is something I want to chip in. Kevin, over to you, sir. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I had a had a follow-up question um, regarding that. Um, how much does attitude come into play? How much does the right spirit and the right heart come in into play into what you just said? Um, is this going to happen anyway? Um, can resistance prolong it? Can I do something to speed it up? Or, you know, it, it, it does it come down to what God sees as a reflection of what he's looking for, as you mentioned? Any thoughts on that? I believe any of us can jump in. So, Kevin, maybe reiterate yes. the question. Yes, yes. Re reiterate Please. this question again. Just want to open it up to anyone. Any, anything we've talked about so far, I just want to hear some of your thoughts on it and and how you how you see it and um, how you process this issue of consecration, separation. You know, things that Marcus said and things that uh, that I've raised here. I'd like to hear some thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm good Zan evening. Here. So it's quite a discussion and so many things to say. So let's see, let me start with silver first. And as you know, things in the Bible are very symbolic. So silver in the Bible is symbolic of redemption. Um, the silver instruments that were used in the tabernacle symbolized redemption, the redemptive process. So if we're talking about purifying like silver, we are speaking about redemption and what Christ has done. You know, there's a lot of a duality, a double-mindedness, a two-sided teaching about consecration and holiness and these types of things. And we've had the holiness movement and the holiness teachers. And one of the things we have to sieve out of all of this, sieve out of all of this, is what which parts of these fall under old covenant, which parts of these fall under new covenant. Um, and do we have a mixture of both of them? Because sometimes the teachings on things like holiness and consecration, a lot of the Old Testament implications are there um, being preached on. And so, so, you know, when we speak about these things, from which point are we speaking from? Because now we are under a new covenant, living under a New Testament regime. So we understand consecration from a more New Testament point of view after the cross, after Christ, having received redemption and these types of things. So I think a lot of the things that surround issues like consecration and holiness still revolve around um, heaven and hell issues. Um, am I truly born again issues um, and these types of things. But, but let's ask ourselves this question, you know. If the issue was never about heaven or hell or the devil, would we still live holy? And that's a big question. If we have the answer to that question, without thinking about heaven or hell or any of the other things, would we live holy? And you see that there right there is the crux of the matter, I think, is if it really comes from the heart, and, and I think Mark mentioned some of these things, 
if it comes out of the heart, then it should really be an effortless natural flow. It shouldn't be a legalized systems of rules of observances or teachings or preachings or preaching down to. Um, it really is an effortless thing. You know, you made mention, Calvin, about Paul being a prisoner. You know, in the Old Testament, when um, a man had a slave and it was time to set that slave free, let's say like it was a year of Jubilee, and that slave loved his master. He loved how his master had treated him. He would do, a, they would do a symbolic thing where he would go to the doorpost and he would pierce his ear with an awl or nails, we would call it here. And that would symbolize that he now belonged to this master of his own free will and volition, simply by the fact that what holds them together now is love. And I think Paul had an expression, an experience of the love of God in such a way that whilst he was a free man, he wasn't truly free. He was under the control of the high priest. He was under the control of the laws of what he had to fulfill and what he had to do. And so he taught at that time that that was his consecration. That was his holiness until he met Christ face to face. And now Paul says, now I am a prisoner to this man. I'm a prisoner to this master, but I find myself being free because now he doesn't burden me with these things. So I want to talk about this point also about the instruments in the tabernacle, even the Ark of the Covenant. You know, even when the Ark was taken from the Israelites camp and it was taken to the Philistines camp and it was placed amongst their gods, did that profane the Ark? Did the Ark become unholy? And when the Ark was returned, did it continue to have the effect um, the holiness assigned to it. And so these are some thoughts that we can think on. What happens to the instrument? Does it make it unholy? Or the fact that God has already decided or set apart that it was holy, that it remains holy, even if it has been brought into a, a corrupt environment or a profane environment. And so these are some thoughts I want to throw out there, brothers. And you know, I, I just want to say that how do we now live? How do we now live? You know, you brought this point up, Kelvin, about how people see in us if this will make them want to follow um, Christ in us. You know, I'll tell you for real experience. My wife's uncle lives maybe just an eye shot from where we are. And he often says to me, he says, I'm said, you are a real, you know, encouragement to me and I see in your life how you you live with your wife how you live with your daughter how you live and and when people begin to see these are the things these are how it's expressed Kelvin um, your relationship with your wife your relationship with the children your relationship with people how you treat people how you deal with people and Jesus often spoke of these things um, how do you treat the poor man how do you treat the outcast man? How do you treat the man that nobody looks upon? You know, these are the things by which we are judged, not how we look at the affluent, how we we try to put ourselves in their position. You know, but 
This is what Christ did, and it didn't change his holiness. He wasn't afraid to touch the leper. As you know, in that time, touching a leper made you unclean, made you unholy. He was not afraid to do that. It didn't change who he was, just like it didn't change the nature of the ark by being placed among the Philistine gods. It continued to be what it was designed to be. So I just want to submit this here, and then we'll take the conversation further. Thank you, gentlemen. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly what I'm talking about, where other things are extracted, things for us to look at, things for us to consider, um, other parts of scripture that um, that reveal um, just what you mentioned, uh, Amazad, about the, the um, you know, of course, it did not change the nature of the um, power of the Ark of the Covenant. As a matter of fact, it blessed the house of Obed-Edom, if I'm not mistaken, um, for the three months that it was there. So it speaks to, and this is another thing that I want to bring up. It speaks to the power that is connected to that. And I'm not talking about, you know, a manufactured holiness. I'm talking about a, a Christ indwelled expression that carries power inside of it. I think Mark alluded to, to that as well, that inside of this understanding of, of holiness and uh, consecration from a New Testament order, that it's about who we are and not, you know, the, the rituals or no, we're not talking about that. But we're really talking about the disciplines of holding to what Christ was about, the issue of forgiveness, the issue of uh, keeping our hearts pure, and this issue of um, uh, I do nothing unless my father tells me to do it. I don't say anything unless my father tells me to say it, which is really, it could be challenging. It sounds easy, uh, but to really... But Jesus, he lived for that. He lived for the will of his father. And that's what I'm talking about. So that kind of holiness, that kind of expression. And um, absolutely. And so I never thought about, uh, just for the record, uh, Amazad, I never thought about um, this external holiness. I only considered the internal part um, uh, to really legitimize it because that's the real place where the transaction and the transformation uh, takes place because we can we can be dutiful publicly and then privately um do something else but yeah this is this is very very good i thank you for putting another log on the fire <laughs> really good was there anybody else that wanted to make some comments about what amazad said what he mentioned about the issue of um of, of consecration and holiness and all of those things in the teaching from a New Testament perspective. Thoughts, comments, insight? I think this is, these are very good things to, to consider, to look at, to ponder. To have integrated uh, into into our lives, I think that uh, you know carrying this kind of mindset and thought and, and processes, realizing it, 
you know, there's a perpetual process of coming under our bodies and making our flesh uh, slave to the things of God. And uh, I love it. I love it. I really, really appreciate that. Amazad, very insightful uh, things that you brought there. Is there anyone else that uh, can make a comment or you have a thought about this or you have a question or you see a different perspective on this? Um, I'd, I'd like to hear it from you. Kevin, Amazad, Amazad, no, no, please do, Amazad. Yes, I just wanted to say a couple more things, you know. Um, as we were saying, it, it should really be an effortless thing. So that means that we're not trying to be anything. You know, God gives this statement. He says, be holy. Now, this is a tricky thing. How do I be holy? What do I have to do? And this is just the thing. You don't have to do anything because he didn't say to do holy. He says to be holy. Now, does God have to do anything to be God? He just is. And so to be holy, you just don't do anything to be holy or else you're just doing things. It's cosmetic. It's putting it on. And so um, I'm just saying that holiness is not something we, we do. Is something we be. I mean, if that makes any sense to anybody. You know, so I just want to add that in. And also, you know, I was kind of mentioning to Mark some thoughts that were coming to my head earlier about this thing called a scepter. You know, um, in the in the story of Esther, she could not go in to the king in his inner chamber unless the scepter was put forward to her. And when we look at the tabernacle in the inner chamber where the presence of God is, where the presence of the king is, where the holy place is, holy of holies, no man could go in there except the high priest once for the year. And he could only go in there with blood first for himself and then for the people. And if there was anything in his life, he would be struck down immediately. Now, the thing is, once the scepter was put forward and she touched it, then it meant all was well and she could enter in. Now, the scepter is representative of Jesus Christ because the scripture talks about the scepter out of Judah, the rod out of Jesse, this type of thing, symbolic of the Christ coming. Now, when he comes, when we lay hold of him, when we touch him, we have access to come into this holy place. We have uh, a free permission to come in to that which was once secluded or away from us so i do believe i do believe we can come into this level of holiness and walk in it and live in it because this is what it is or else we are still living in the outer parts of the tabernacle okay i just very good very good mark you were gonna uh, make a comment yes i was going to say something similar to her uh i was at, uh, just alluded to which has to do with not uh, an, uh, not a doing, not a, a put on, not a facade, but that uh, there's there's something of the father that makes him who he is, and he has extended that to us, and he has clearly stated. If not, we like I said earlier, we couldn't approach him. In the autism, we knew the consequence. You approach him, you die. People go with their senses 
And the senses are symbolic of worship and prayer and their offerings, their seeds, their giving and all of that. And they die. After they've offered to the Lord, they die. But what a joy it is to have, to be in Christ, that we go before him and it's not our doing. It is who we are in him. He sees us through that lens. And that continues to invigorate him to allow us to approach him and we are cleansed and continue to make improvement and have transformation and become more mature. So um, back then, uh, Samuel, let me see, I think Pastor Samuel McDonald is, is, is on the call. He is my mate way back from secondary school. And he will recall how we had to dealt with this holiness issue um, where it was all perceived like wearing a certain garment. We used to have a sister back then, very lovely sister. We love her so much. And from the background, she was coming from holiness, was portrayed in all kinds of dressing and we would tease her. We would say all kinds of things to her and all of that. Now we've grown to really um, uh, we've grown and we continue to experience Christ, and, and that position is 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 getting solidified. Where we do appreciate that holiness is not in a garment; it's not a white, long dress with some pap across your your stomach to the other side. It is not walking barefooted. It is not keeping a special day. It is not um, a facade, a put on, a behavior, but it is a life that is a wellspring from the inside. And people would look at you in the midst of turbulence and they begin to perceive the holiness of God. Somebody was asking me, somebody I, I started um, extending some courtesies to, asked me, said, what? They said, every... Every now and then I sit at home and I think about you and I wonder what kind of man you are, who you are, who is this man? Where is he from? He said, he said, I have a lot of respect for you. And I said, respect for me. He said, I don't understand. You keep saying this. He said, he said, there is something in you. There's something about you that makes me revere you. And I know it just had to do with that that thing of the Father, that makes my heart pure. And it reflects in the way we even minister. You go into an environment, you can see the clear manipulation of the environment. Last Saturday, we had an experience, very rich, powerful, an atmosphere we've never had in any of our meetings before. And oh, I've had people, yeah, so Pastor, Pastor McDonald was there. I've had people was uh, people saying, people talking about it, people commenting about it in private and when they talk to me. And is that is that the atmosphere is just pure. You don't find any human interaction to manipulate it. So we need to carry this wellspring and live out of that powerfully so that we can succeed. Thank you, Kevin. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, now, out of between what you and Amazon said just there, Mark, um, I hear 
the fluidity of just letting it be an expression of who God is, that we don't have to to make it work. We don't have to, we all we have to do is express and receive what he's giving us and live out of that. So it's um it's beautiful because it it doesn't have works attached to it. It does have obedience attached to it, but it doesn't have works attached to it. And so that's what makes it beautiful because the thing, the thing that I'm I'm seeing here and, and what I truly believe about this is that there is a joy and a love in pursuing Christ, you know, that there isn't a, uh, an obligation or a heavy burden. He said, my yoke is easy. My burdens are light. So <clears throat> to pursue him, to want more of him, to see him more clearly, to, to, to see him more, uh, to see him uh, in his glory and what that means for us today and what is possible in our fellowship as we live for him day to day. And uh, as Amazad was saying about uh, <clears throat> the relative that that compliments, and you too, Mark, that the compliments that, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't call them compliments, I call them observations, but it is complimentary, but it's observations because there's something that is attached to the behavior. It just doesn't start with behavior. It's a reflex of, of a life truly lived, a living, breathing reality that's going on inside. And I tell you, that this is where we have to be. This is this is where we have to be. If we're going to express something in the earth, if we're going to be <clears throat> the solutions to the world's problems, we must be anchored in this Christ dimension and the expression of him in the earth because he was indeed a king. Christ is king. And so this issue of kingship, kingship and authority and dominion become very important um, things in our expression. So to me, the whole issue of um, witnessing, as we used to say, witnessing or testifying or, or sharing our experiences with others, um, has broadened in its scope to me. So not just handing out literature and just telling people, do you know, that Jesus loves you. It may include that, but I just feel that there is something that can be expressed that is happening where people look and say, man, I like the way your life is ordered. I like the way your relationships are are, are expressed and, and what, what this looks like. It's a difference. There's a difference. And that's the point. There is a difference. Even among said Christians, right? There's a difference. You know, everybody doesn't subscribe to this level of closeness with the Lord. Everybody does, doesn't ascribe to this. Um, <clears throat> some people are content just, you know, just, just being saved. And that's fine, you know. But I mean, really, and that's important, but I'm just saying to come after him, to, to pursue his heart, to pursue his mind, I think just really uh, brings it into another another um, another dimension. So that was one of the things why I brought this up. I wanted to, to hear from you. I wanted to get some understanding of, of what, uh, what did you hear in, 
in the expression of my heart and the things that I see um, regarding this, because I believe that there should be an expression in the earth that is undeniable, that really testifies to the reality of God in the earth and how he can use humans, ordinary humans, he can use them, you know, to do extraordinary things because of him, because of him. So, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Any Anyone else? Hello, hello. Welcome, thank you. Uh, I... Good to have you on. Is it Sam? Is it Sam? Sam McDonald? We can ever share with anybody ourselves. Okay, there you are, okay. Beautiful, yeah, good to hard. have you, Sam. I said the most, the most powerful testimonies that we can share with others is the life we live, how we allow Christ to express himself through us so that others cannot behold us and see us, but they will see Christ. And I think it's one of the most powerful testimonies, so powerful that even handing over literature to that next person and telling him Jesus loves you. I think the best of um, or the greatest testimony we can ever share is a life that we live, which is an expression of Christ living his life to us. And I think that what we are sharing tonight on this line is wonderful, and I'm learning so much, so much from it. God bless all of, us, all of us. God bless us. Thank you so much, Sam. Really appreciate your comments. And um, that, that issue of uh, allowing absolutely Christ to be lived through us, expressing him in the realest, honest, authentic way that we don't, you know, we don't add anything. I noticed just a very small thing. And, and this, this is, this could be debatable. I just thought that it was very interesting. How when Jesus asked for the coat uh, that was tied, uh, you'll find, a, you know, donkey and find you know and and they'll be tied up says bring them to me i have need of them so they bought it to jesus and the first thing they did was put their coats on it they put their coats on on the donkey now most people wouldn't probably notice that but i just sometimes this is what happens inside of doctrine this is what happens inside of church we add our thing on to what god is, is requesting and what he's adding, we add our things on it. And if we could just give him what he, what he asked for, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a very safe place to be, to just give him what he requires. And if he asks for something additional, we can give him that, you know? So yeah, I just thought that was very good, Sam. Good having you on. Good having you on. I hope this won't be your last time. Is there anyone else comments or questions or thoughts Regarding what we're sharing here. Yeah. Well, Kelvin, I just want to make, you know, kind of bring some balance to also to this thing. Now, remember, we are human beings in a human body, as Christ was a human being in a human body in that sort of sense. Uh, 
he did he did attend weddings he did visit people he did sit and have meals he did go to dinner dinner engagements you know these types of things so what i'm saying is that doesn't change who he was it didn't change his holiness the way he was so i mean thinking about it some people take it to the extreme they don't go certain places do certain things and i'm not giving permission to many things you know i'm saying that you know you go to the mall there are sinners at the mall, okay, but that's the place where Jesus would go because he would go to meet someone there, right? Um, it doesn't change you. Um, and while we're in this body, we are here to engage things in the earth. So, yes, Jesus was at the wedding, but there's always a reason to with it. While he was there, he was still able to do things. He was at the dinner party, yes, while he was there, he was still able to do things. It didn't change who he was, but and it shouldn't change who we are. We can still go to a Christmas function a birthday function uh, we have this body and and we use it but when we go we still demonstrate the love of christ and the nature of christ so i hope that brings a little balance indeed it does indeed it does it uh and i think it's very important to mention particularly when we're talking about holiness when we're talking about consecration because the tendency is to emulate what we've seen, which has a lot to do with the outer, but um, literally expression, expressing who we are, just like you mentioned earlier, Amazad, about the, the Ark of the Covenant being in the house of Obed-Edom. You know, I mean, it blessed his house. You know, it didn't contaminate. <laughs> it didn't contaminate the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant blessed that space where it was, so it didn't change the essence of what it was and what it came to do. So very beautiful, very, really good. Thank you for the balance. And I think it did strike a balance because it's very important not to add coats onto this powerful expression of consecration, um, holiness, separation unto God, that we shouldn't add additional coats onto that. Yeah as the tendency is to do. So uh, very good. If there's no one else, I'd like to have some prayers. We close out uh, this session here. Mark, uh, any thoughts? No, Kevin, I was, I was going to say that I, I just felt, um, just think about this uh, ceremony where uh, the priest would have led the entire meeting like in a Catholic and um and then pray over everybody. That, that sort of thing. And I'm happy you said you have some prayers and you're going to pray like that Catholic priest and bless us and, and release grace. That, that that sort of thing I perceive and I'm happy. So just flow. <laughs> just flow. <laughs> yeah. thank you, Mark. Thank you. Oh, boy. And anybody who, who wants to join in, please do. Um, I'll cover as much as I, I can and as much as I see and things I don't. Um, maybe someone else can, and that it just makes it enrich it. So, Father, we come and we thank you. Thank you for these thoughts and these ideas that come across our hearts. And, Lord, we need to know how to live them out in, um, in our everyday world, in our everyday life, and to still be who you've called us to be, but then also express the highest expression of who you were, 
in the earth and and that we learn this balance, that we strike this balance that Amazad referred to, that we don't live in the earth as untouchables and people who can't be uh, touched and people who cannot uh, reason and people who cannot hear and listen and understand and carry the heart of God into moments that, uh, that we don't become heavy handed with our authority, that we're not um, disconnected from your oversight as we carry out these expressions. Would please our voice, our thoughts, our deeds would would operate as we operate in the earth. Would please you in all that we do. And Father, we release grace upon your servants here today. Those that are on this call, that Father, you would give to us wisdom a wisdom that is from above, a wisdom that, that brings not just answers, but true solutions in women. Lord, that they would see, even through the messages uh, and the, that, are un, that are not audible, but just demonstrations of everyday life, that, that it would deeply impact people, that they would sense the love of Christ in our service, that they would identify Christ in our behavior and conduct and as we engage. Lord, we want to live powerfully here in the earth that you would be glorified. And Lord, help us to come into areas of our lives that uh, are yet un, uh, unclear, that we are walking in through a process, walking out and living out what you would have for us to be and to do and to give ourselves over to the correction and the alignment and the design that you have for us, Lord, that our hearts would be supple before you and, and soft and open before you, that you can influence it, you can change and morph ideas and thoughts and feelings and positions that we have, that we can flow with you as Christ did fluidly in the earth. And we thank you for the grace of God that has appeared unto men, as the book of Titus said. Father, I thank you. I praise you for the power of God that flows through our lives, that people see and feel you as they as they engage us. So Lord, I, I just ask your, your, your precious power and your love and life and truth be revealed to us even more, even more, Lord, that as we live this life, the more we live, the more people see you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for, Lord, for what is being shared and expressed. Lord, as we uh, continue to fellowship and continue to have time with one another, Lord, that this would also be a place of sharpening, a place of correcting, a place of alignment, a place that uh, can buttress us in our faith as we're encouraged by our brothers and encouraged by the sight and the wisdom and the understanding that is expressed on this call. Lord, because we want to be greater expressions of you in the earth. We thank you for all that you've done for us, our families. Our Amen. 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 Amen.
man. It's been wonderful. Kelvin, thank you so much for throwing in this banner uh, into our thoughts and to pull us back. If any of us might have been derailed and if any of us happen to found in any space of the processing of the Lord, the gold in the making, the silver in the making, that we can be encouraged, we can know that God is still with us, and we can be reminded that this life is a wellspring that comes from within, not a facade. Thank you so much. And thanks, thanks everybody, Thomas, Samuel, thank you all for being on the call. God bless you. Um, bless you. Oh, there are somewhere, two Samuels. God bless you. Amazad, God bless you, sir. And how is Sierra doing? I think I have pause this now. <laughs>